the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! <laughs> Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am one half of your hosting team tonight, Zach Romero. Joining me... As always, is the wonderfully talented Chad Allen. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. <laughs> hey, I'm back. i got to kiss a lot of ass to, you, I, to get back in the seat. <laughs> uh, so, we have ourselves, this is a real nasty boys-only edition of the IndieCast, and as such, we got the biggest, nastiest boy we could find. That's right. Uh, joining us tonight, in our deep dive into the world of professional wrestling and beyond, is one of the best big men in the South, mm-hmm. hailing from... Ocala, Florida, also known as the Chernobyl of Florida. The <laughs> Chernobyl of Florida. <laughs> the American Kaiju, the king of the Kaiju. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Gabe, Gabezilla Lacey. Gabe, thank you for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. I'm excited, uh, I'm excited to be on tonight. <laughs> Excellent. So, Well, Gabe, we start every episode the same way uh, for everybody. We uh, lovely, lovingly call it the lightning round. It's five very quick questions that we ask. Partially to get rid of some of those really ridiculous uh, Chad, podcast if, questions. I was going to say, yes. if, I, if I may if, interrupt. Yes, um, you may. To anyone that may, this may be the first time you're listening to the right. show, we developed the lightning round uh, as a way to... To get rid of one question, to, really. To, to, as a way to distance ourselves from other pro wrestling podcasts, because uh, we've done our research, we've listened to other shows. And, and some I, of them really stink. Yeah, they're real, real <laughs> awful, and so they all ask very bland very uh, repetitive questions that you can hear the guests on the other line roll their eyes as they're answering. <laughs> so we developed a system to try to kind of blitz through that. Right. However, as is uh, very much the norm for our show, right. we got bored with that very quickly. <laughs> right. And so now there's literally just one standard question <laughs> from all podcasts, and then the rest is other crap we made up. Two. And well, officially we have two standard questions we asked. The first but one even the, last, the, even but one, the last one doesn't even yeah, like, the, fit. The, right. the other one is a standard question that we've standardized. Right, that we've made no other show asks. But anyway, so without further ado, Chad, I'm yes. letting you uh, host this not-so-traditional lightning round. Lightning round. Well, our not-so-traditional traditional lightning yes. round. So, uh, question one. Who trained you and when did you debut? All right. Well, um, I was trained by Dory Funk Jr. Uh, right here in Ocala, Florida. That's actually why I moved to Ocala, uh, was to train there. Um, and when I debuted, so... There's probably a couple answers. Good. <laughs> Two answers for that that could work. The first time I was ever in a ring in front of a crowd was like three days after I started training. Oh. Um, they had a uh, they, they the school put on shows, and so I came down at the beginning of the week, and there was a show that weekend, um, and so I was in a battle royal. Uh, <laughs> So three days after I started training in May of 2014, uh, I was I was in a match. Um, now, as far as when did I debut, like outside of school wrestling people I didn't train with, that would have been in, I'm not sure the exact date, but it would have been in January of 2016. Okay. Interesting. Okay. My, uh, my debut in front of a crowd that was not at my school. So. When, when you're in a battle royal three days in to right. training... Um, what is the general guidelines they give you? I, I, I want to know. Well, um, I, uh, 
I could bump, uh, and I had practiced apron bumps. So the general guidelines were punch, punch, and kick, kick, and then you're the first eliminated, and we're having you take an apron bump and rolling out. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, now my final question on that, because you were, again, three days into right. training. Yeah. How badly did you screw that up? Uh, I actually <laughs> did very, very well. Good. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Was gifted since day one. That's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh-huh. See, now I'm surprised they didn't do the, like, let's gang up on him spot. That also seems like a, an obvious... If, if it's a student-run battle royal, I don't know if I trust that many moving parts. Also true. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, kind of. So it was like, uh, they, like, I got dumped over the side, and I was, like, holding on, you know, to the, on the, I was on the apron, like, holding on to the rope on the outside. Uh, and they had everybody, like, tee off on me, like, get a hit in on me. Okay. And, you know, do, like, the whole, like, oh, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall type thing, but I'm holding on. Um, and then uh, there was, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a student there who's another, like, he was, who's a, who's a bigger guy. Um, not not as big as me, but, I mean, he was, he, he was a bit heftier. Uh, and I think he came back around the second time and was the one who, who bumped me, I think. Now, if I'm if I'm dream booking for a second, I would do one of two things: either number one, same idea, Gabe Zilla's on the on the on the apron, and everyone's basically in a conga line to try to knock him off. Right. And then as it gets to the very last guy, Gabe just goes, "Are you kidding me? I, that was a joke!" And he just clobbers everybody and just gets back <laughs> in. Like, no, I'm I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. Or number two, in the conga line, smallest guy is the last one. Right. Like the small, like you have like a little J or a Dick Danger be the one who right. does the last blow to knock him off. Like, please don't oh, let yeah. it be Dick Danger. Right. Don't. Anyways, anyways, all right. I'm drinking. <laughs> you give me a whole other, give me a whole other rant there that I won't want to do on air. Uh, what is your first wrestling memory? My first wrestling memory. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so I to kind of have a roundabout way of answering this question. I, um, I actually was not allowed to watch wrestling when I was young. Um, and so I remember the first time that I think I, I saw anything to do with wrestling. I was watching some other show. I don't even remember. It might have been like Malcolm in the Middle or something like that. And they they on TV were watching a wrestling match or something. Well, and, I was say, it could have been Malcolm in the Middle because they definitely had Bret Hart uh, right. attacking someone in the opening of that show. Could have been Boy Meets World because, because Corey and Vader were a thing. Yeah, it was it was something it was something like that. Where I was like, oh man, that looks kind of cool. Um, but that, I mean, that's like the earliest that I remember seeing anything about wrestling because uh, you know my parents didn't watch it, my dad didn't watch it. I'm the oldest kid, um, and then I was not allowed to watch to watch wrestling growing up. I mean, you know, I was, I'm a '90s baby, so right in the the you know, middle of the Attitude Era and stuff like that. So my parents didn't really... Well, I was going to say, I assume a couple of things. Number one, I assume that you've been this gigantic your whole life. Right. Um, yeah, well, you wouldn't be wrong. I, like, I imagine, like, child Gabezilla is Gabezilla now, slightly smaller beard, and, like, right. a Baby Gap t-shirt on. Yeah, baby, baby gap shirt. So that's number because they make baby gap shirts in three X. Yeah. So number one, I assume that. So I can see why your parents would be like, "Hey, you know what would be great if we didn't introduce a show about violence (laughs) to our giant child who would murder his siblings? Like, I think that would be great to avoid." No, it was probably a smart call. 
And then secondly, I have I assume that all professional wrestling giants are all related. Right. So I assume like Uncle Big Show was like, "Come on, let the kid watch." And they're like, "No, Paul, we'll show him at a later date when he's old enough." Great Grandpa Andre is yeah, coming great, by. Yeah, goes to Grandpa Andre. Keeps banging on his window at night, and he doesn't know why. You want a peanut? Uh, you know, if yeah. I have any wrestling relatives, they have yet to reveal themselves to me. So, <laughs> well, that'll uh, be once you become like a certain champion. Then they'll come out and right. reveal it was them the whole time, and then there's a few. Oh, uh, yes, yes. You'll find, you'll find out that your dad wasn't actually your dad. It's somebody it else. It was Paul Bearer the whole time. <laughs> it was me the whole time. <laughs> that was, oh, that's it was true. me all along. That's true. Uh, what, is the, what is your favorite Godzilla opponent? My favorite Godzilla opponent, man. Um, I am, you know, a huge fan of the of the newest movie, uh, and uh, him throwing down with uh, King Ghidorah is just sick in this new film. So True. I'd have to probably say that. I was gonna say, by the way, for those scoring at home, we officially got out of the traditional wrestling yeah, questions right. of the lightning round right. here. Two questions, yeah. um, but good. excellent answer with King Ghidorah. If I may recommend. Uh, recommend uh, my personal favorite is Godzilla Final Wars. Ooh, real dumb. It's a real dumb one. And I love it a lot. <laughs> you, you do love the real dumb films. They literally bring back every monster that Godzilla ever fought for this movie, including the Matthew Broderick one that he kicks the shit out of in like 10 seconds. Nice. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, so uh, you play in a band, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, who is the greatest guitarist ever? Greatest guitarist at all, man. <laughs> See, we do our research on this show. That's right. We ask the yeah. tough questions early. Yeah, you guys are coming out swinging. Um, you know, I can't pick. I don't think I can pick who I think is the greatest guitarist ever. Because uh, I uh, I go through uh, moods where I like, you know, one guy or one type of music more than another. So uh, I don't think I don't think I can narrow it down to just one and say like, hey, that's that's the guy. I do remember a great story once of somebody coming up to Eric Clapton and asking him what it's like to be the greatest guitarist alive. And Eric Clapton at the time said, I don't know, you'll have to ask Prince. Nice. So yeah, I thought nice. that was a big compliment that Eric Clapton loved. Also, I find it interesting. Favorite Godzilla monster, King Ghidorah, no question. Favorite, Favorite guitarist, guitarist no hey, Steve Ray Vaughn, you can go fuck yourself. I'm not <laughs> So, All right, so final question. Final question. Here. The big one, the important one, the one that I am surprised my wife isn't here to ask tonight. That's true. She'll um, burst to the wall like the Kool Aid. Right. Uh, and the one that will keep you can get you kicked out of our house. True. Uh, Marvel or DC, and why? Okay. Uh, and you already used your get out of jail free card for the guitarist thing, so you got to give us an answer on this. You can't go. Uh, comic books are comic books. They're great for everybody. <laughs> no, I do have an answer for this. Um, I uh, I like DC better. Now, I, now I was gonna say there's there, there's a there's a, a, a game theory going on right, right now. So why why DC? So um, again, this goes back to to my youth. Okay, so uh, I was not like super into comic books and stuff when I was young. Um, and so I didn't really start getting into the. Uh, superheroes and, and DC Marvel and things like that until they really started making these blockbuster movies. Uh, and my favorite series is the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. yeah. So by, by far. So uh, that kind of has endeared me to DC. I have been let down by the recent DC films, though. They have not been very good. Um, okay. but, 
appreciate that honesty and self-criticism there. And as uh, Rick Sussman has suggested, that we may change the question to <laughs> Marvel or Batman. Batman and why? Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a I don't think we've had a single guest on who has chosen DC who didn't fall back on Batman. Right. Now, we have had some people who did pick Marvel, but then when we asked their favorite character, did indeed give us a DC character. That's true. That so has that happened before. Other, that was a whole other thing, um, though. So. so let's talk a little bit about... Um, coming up in the world of wrestling. So the, I know that for Chad and myself here in the state of Florida, the first time we saw you in a ring was uh, you with one of your siblings that thankfully you didn't beat to death at a young age. <laughs> no, that I did not. Uh, as part of the Lacey Twins. And uh, that was a big yes. fixture for WWN for, for quite a while. And you guys, I believe, were tag team champions for a time. Yeah, almost a year. Yeah. And uh, so, that, so how does... Coming up into a brand like WWN with, you know, as part of a tag team, does that add pressure to you or does that take some of the pressure off because it's not just a singles act to start with? Tell us a little bit about the, the legacy of the Lacey Twins. Sure. Um, well, it was kind of, so when we, we, tra we trained together and we were living together, um, and, uh, when we went out into the, and we're first trying to get booked uh, on the indies. Um, we weren't necessarily set on tagging. Like, we were mm -hmm. we were open to tagging. We weren't opposed to the idea. But that wasn't necessarily um, what we were, like, really trying to do. Um, and so it just kind of happened that that was right around, there's kind of like a tag team renaissance going on around the beginning of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I know uh, NXT was, like, had their tag team tournament, you know, that year, I believe. Right, um, so there was much more of a focus on tag yeah, team as yeah, a division yeah, tag again. Teams, tag teams were in, and so it just happened. Uh, someone was like, hey, are you guys a, a team? And we're like, we can be. As long <laughs> and, as there's uh, no follow-up questions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so so it kind of just fell on us that way to tag. And then it was, it, was, it was really nice because it did relieve a lot of pressure. You know, we had trained together. We knew each other's moves. Um, we were comfortable in the ring with each other, even though we weren't opponents. Obviously, we were on the same team. We were still comfortable being in the ring together. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I always would tell people, it's like, yeah, if you forget anything, you just tag out. Right, true. Uh, so, you, know, so, you don't know what to do. Just tag tag back out real quick. So, um, yeah, that definitely, I, I think, um, made it a little bit easier uh, for us to break in and, and figure out how to... Uh, I kind of put matches together and everything like that, That uh, for me at least. Now, I have a question, and, and this you may not have a, an answer for this, that's fine, but I've talked to, uh, since working with ACW on Wednesdays and whatnot, I've talked to a lot of wrestlers who are like just fresh out of wrestling school or, or just starting to get to the indies. Why do you think that, and maybe you shared this experience when you first got out of wrestling school, why does being in a tag team... Or having a tag team suggested, why does that feel like such a kiss of death for so many kids out of school? Because I've seen several cases where it's like, oh, we were thinking of maybe making you and you a tag team. And the look on the faces of these wrestlers is like, hey, we just found out all of your parents died. Like, <laughs> So do you have any insight as to why that is? Like, What is it about coming out of wrestling school and being kind of suggested to be in a team that maybe you weren't planning on 
Why does that come across as such a, a, a letdown for so many kids? Well, um, and so by with what I'm going to say, by no means am I trying to offend any of these kids, mm-hmm. uh, no, or or because I don't, I don't know any, you know, any nobody in particular comes to my mind. Um, just from my experience, um, from a lot of the people that I've met, um, and even myself, you know, to an extent, you know, I I think. Most people want to become wrestlers to become a superstar, mm-hmm. and that, and it feels like, especially when you're when you're young, you don't necessarily understand exactly how wrestling works. Um, maybe you got trained or whatever, but you hadn't been, you know, actually on shows outside of your school or anything like that. Um, people feel like if they're put in a team, they're not going to be able to be a superstar anymore. Mm. You know, like it's, uh, you know, you're you're part of a Super Bowl team, but you rode the bench the whole time. Mm. Like I, 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 I think that some people kind of look at it that way or, or think about it that way, where they're like, "Well, I can't be the, the the top guy if I've got this other person, you know, that I'm with." And maybe it, it's even a little bit, you know, subconscious. You know, they're like, I want to be out there doing my thing and, you know, being the big hero. And then it's like, oh, but I, I'm in this team. Well, that's not what I want. I don't need yeah. anybody else. I want to do it by myself. I want to be be the big singles super champ or whatever, right. you know. And I, <laughs> and I think that's a lot of it. I think no, no, or very few kids, there might be one or two out there, but I don't think very many kids who have had a dream of becoming a professional wrestler has ever dreamed of being like, you, you you don't picture the the end of WrestleMania being a tag team main event. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. always that exactly. that one WrestleMania moment where you know you're holding that belt by yourself. You know, in the middle of the ring, the confetti's falling, stuff like that. That's the that's the dream. When I was a even when I was a kid, way back in the day, I definitely dreamed about like I was Dusty Rhodes. I wasn't, um, you know the rock and roll express it's just you know that was just even though yeah but the, you could be tully and arn man Big sure kick-ass. oh i agree Take my, i want to be arn now are you kidding me <laughs> are you shitting me if i could be Arn, if i could trade time with arn anderson for a yeah. little bit hell yeah i'd do that in a second you kidding? i would trade with tully blanchard right now yeah. and you know he's just a you know a preacher part of right. the time now but uh, but, but i think i think you i think you both are onto something here that i think maybe it's it because for me from more of like a creative standpoint it's like Man, if I was getting into wrestling, and yeah, I have that WrestleMania dream of like, mm-hmm. and then I'm standing here, and then The Rock comes out and says, I'm proud of you, and right. I'm like, yay, and The Undertaker, who kind of looks like my dad, also goes, <laughs> I'm also proud of you, and let's You're... pretend I'm your dad, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I get that, and having a tag team partner can kind of put the pump the brakes on that, right? but I would look at it from a point of view, it's like, well, I'm not married to this person, right? so it's yeah. not to say that like we're going to have to be a tag team for the rest of our lives. Right. You know, I'll be this tag team. I'll be the best I can do with this. I've got somebody else to bounce ideas off of now. Maybe somebody else to help get bookings with. Yeah. To shoulder some of that burden. And yeah. then when the time comes, and if we break up, great. Then right. I can go do the thing. And the Rock and Undertaker dad will still be there waiting for me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's the way um, myself and uh, Grayson looked at it. Uh, you know, from, from a business aspect. We're like, hey... Um, this is, right now. Right, this is what's in demand at the moment. Yeah, so when we, when we, it was first like, hey, are you guys a tag? We're like, yeah, and they're like, well, okay, we need some tags, let's, you know, and so we debuted on ACW, mm-hmm. um, 
And uh, so we're like, hey, man, tags are in right now. Why don't we pitch ourselves as a tag? Um, and then, you know, we can always do singles stuff as well. Right. Um, but, I mean, everybody wants tags right now. Uh, they're not looking for singles guys. And um, so we're like, from a business perspective, it makes sense uh, for us to tag. And then, um, you know, even ACW even used us in singles matches uh, from time to time while we were the tag champs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, other companies, sometimes they'd bring in one of us, and so the other one of us would ride along, and maybe they'd, you know, have us do an angle and then bring us both in and, you know, stuff like that. So um, we just we just approached it kind of looking at it like a, like a business mm. and uh, how best to to present and market ourselves to get as many opportunities as possible right off the bat. And we knew it wasn't permanent. You know, we're like, it could change down the line. Um, you know, just like your gear can change or your gimmick mm-hmm. can change. You know, like it's, uh, what is, what is going to get us the best chance to get as many bookings when we started? And for us, it was tax. So we're like, let's do it. Interesting. Well, and tell us a little bit now. So obviously you, and like I said, you had the long run of the Lacey Twins. You, you, you tag champs for quite a while there. Um, at some point that ends, and you now have to transition from being known more in the tag team situation, and now kind of transferring over to, to singles. Yeah, you so, you went from you know the tag team that kind of brought you to the party to now you're a singles act. So how, yes. tell us a little about the transition from tag to singles when now that you're going from there. Yeah, um, so there was definitely for me there was definitely a learning curve um, because. The entire time that I had been on the Indies, uh, so almost an entire year, um, I had been a tag guy. So I had a few singles matches here and there, but, you know, not many. Um, and so for me, it was it was a difficult switch at first, figuring out how to uh, wrestle by myself. Um, especially because uh, so many of our tag matches follow the traditional formula where I, I, as the bigger competitor, um, would stay on the, I was, I didn't have a lot of ring time, I guess is what, what I'd say. I would, I'd be on the outside a lot. Um, so then transitioning to being in the ring the entire time, um, I had to, uh, to figure out how to put all that stuff together. And, um, for me that, that took a little while, um, but kind of trial by fire thing, uh, you know, the, most of the companies that we were tagging for still continued to use me as a singles guy. Um, so there was a little drop in uh, in how much I was working for a while, um, but it picked back up pretty quick. So I, I really quickly figured it out and, and got pretty comfortable um, wrestling wrestling by myself. But definitely for a while, there's a little bit of a little bit of a learning curve. Well, I would say at the very least, you go. Well, if I forget, how do I get out of it now? I used right. to be able to tag. Right. Um, Exactly. So, if I can drop a name real quick, yeah. uh, I was talking to Mr. John Davis uh, uh, at the last punk show, and we were discussing. And, and after you cleaned up, you cleaned yourself right, up, right? Yeah, uh, we were discussing um, big men in wrestling today, and how there seems to be uh, a big trend for big men wrestling non traditionally, right? To what mm-hmm. big men have been before. And a lot of that probably stems from there being very multifaceted athletes in wrestling yeah. and, you know, smaller guys who could do neat flippy things. And so 
to that degree, it feels like that maybe bigger men think that they have to be that kind of multifaceted mm-hmm. sort of thing. So my question to you, Gabe, is being a Florida big man, how how do you make it and make things make sense when wrestling is kind of steering itself towards smaller guys, flippier guys, and the traditional big man role seems to be evolving. Can I can I partially try to answer for him? He just throws them farther. Well, I mean that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so Well, I guess let's start small. Uh, pun intended. Do you feel that pressure to to wrestle non-traditionally as a big man? Um, you know when I at first I did. Okay. Um, and then I very quickly learned because I, I, I'm, I am extremely critical of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate watching my own matches because I hate all of them. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm extremely critical of myself. And so I felt that pressure to, to try to not wrestle like I was as big as I was. Um, and, and try some things. You know, nothing crazy. I wasn't trying any flips or anything like that. But, you know, try some stuff that a man might <laughs> normally do um and then i'd watch it back and just be like oh my god that looks awful <laughs> um and so kind of where i got to the point was uh um i'm going to just only do things that i can do really really well and i am you know big and i cannot do flips and so i'm not going to <laughs> do flips you know um and I would say that I don't perfectly fit the mold of your traditional big man, um, but I definitely wrestle more like what you would expect a big man to wrestle like than when I first started. Because mm-hmm. um, I've kind of I kind of settled into uh, how to work with my size and use that working with you know opponents who are usually much much smaller than me. Um, but then also kind of modernizing what I do a little bit. You know, mm. it's not the, not the big, slow, club, club, smash, smash, throw, throw, match over, um, but kind of kind of modernizing a little bit because i got to be able to hang with those small guys. Even if I can't do what they do, I have to be able to keep up with them. That's it. I think it's a good so, balance to find. Well, now, I have one in particular match that I do want to talk to him about um, that I was a big fan of um, and I was in the front row for. Uh, and you can hear me acting like an idiot when you go back and watch the show. Uh, but it was somebody that was more equal to his size. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Punk Pro, mm-hmm. uh, taking on Cole Radrick, right. um, who is six foot who full. Is obviously six foot full. Right. Big match, Cole. Uh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> now, now I, I was going to say, I don't want to toot Punk Pro's horn too much here. Oh, well, I was going to do that for you, but, but if you want to jump in for it. <laughs> it felt like, and again, you know, us being in Florida, Gabe being in Florida, we have seen a lot of his work. Right. What, am I crazy? And you can completely humble me right here, old country way. Did that match with Cole, was that sort of the start of something in terms of, like, how you carried yourself? Like, was there a, was that a turning point at all? Because it from from the outside, from the crowd, you seemed much more... I don't know, confident, relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't seem as as I don't know. There was something about that match which was somewhat spur of the moment. That was not what was advertised. It was supposed to be yeah. Gabe Zilla and John Davis. Right. Um 
and it said it was it was card. many people's favorite match of that card. card. So, so, six foot card, card subject to change. Yeah, six foot swole big match Cole versus Gabe Zilla. And I don't know, was there something about that match? Did you feel like <coughs> that sort of was a turning point in your career, and now it's you're on a new path? Or am I crazy? Am I blowing it up too much? No, um, I would say. I don't know if it was that specific match, um, but I it was kind of some matches around that time mm-hmm. um, where because it, it was I was still kind of trying to be like oh man how as a big man am I gonna keep up like you know the wrestlers are getting smaller and faster and flippier mm-hmm. and it was like how as a big guy am I going to um, fit in that picture and keep up with that. And, um, that match was definitely one of them where I was just like, I'm just going to work like I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost traditionally traditional big man, you know? Um, and, uh, and there's, I had some other matches around that time where I, I wrestled much, much smaller opponents and the promoter specifically wanted, Hey, we want you to be, you know, like Vader or something like that, you know, just like mm-hmm. the, big smash mash club club guy um and so it's in the during those matches i just kind of that's where for me the balance of uh the type of wrestling that i like to do kind of clicked okay um where it was like okay i can do i can carry myself like this big guy um your traditional hoss big man whatever you want to call it um but i can be faster a little bit more athletic than what we usually credit your traditional old big guys for being um, kind of a more modern style athlete, but still carry myself like I'm that big, big traditional super heavyweight. Well, but you also seemed a lot more, um, I don't know, I don't want to say playful because that's not the right word, but you were a lot more vocal. I remember there being a moment when you uh, hit Cole Radrick so hard that like his soul left his body for a minute. <laughs> and when the crowd booed you for a moment, you looked at him and, and said, he challenged me. Right. Why are you booing me? <laughs> yes. And it made me laugh so hard. But I don't know. There was something about that. And you and I have talked a little bit about this in terms of there is kind of something to the atmosphere of a punk pro show and the roster that I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it seemed like after that match, you, you certainly, like you said, things seemed to kind of click. And there, yeah. that's kind of been, we've seen, that seemed like more the catalyst of the Gabe Zilla we're seeing now. And that was, yeah. you know, that was almost a year ago. I would, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it, like you said, there's something about the atmosphere at Punk Pro. It's just, um, it's very laid back. Um, not to give the impression that people don't care about their matches and what they're doing in the ring, but um, uh, I, the... The atmosphere feels more open to experimentation okay. and trying trying some new things and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I was out there wrestling Cole um, and just, you know, everything felt comfortable. And so it was like, you know what? In my real life, if someone was booing me when I was doing something like this, I'd be like, look, man, it's not my fault. <laughs> and maybe, that, maybe that's what all this flowery poetics for me is kind of coming right. to is. That just felt like we got to see a little bit more of your personality in that match, I guess. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and seems since then, we're getting to see more and more of your personality in yeah. the ring. No, I would say I would say that's probably correct. And it just comes with, I think, just being more and more comfortable um, in the ring. You know, not, not 
stressing about, uh, oh, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to do my move right? Am I going to, you know, be in the right place at the right time? And is the promoter going to bring me back? You know, all that stuff. It's just um, get comfortable in the ring, comfortable doing what you're doing. And so you can kind of start let, letting more of that stuff come out. Um, and definitely the atmosphere of punk, punk pro, at least for me, I can't speak for other workers, but it makes me very comfortable. Um, with the people in the back and how it's run and everything like that. So I definitely think that was a big part of it. Well, again, the sequels to Punk Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see you uh, lock up with one Zachary Cooper. Which he's done not just in Punk Pro. No, he's that, that was the best of that three. For a while, yeah, yeah there was, that was going yeah. all over the place. So, And uh, so that was obviously somewhat different to what we were just discussing and fawning over because Zach Cooper... Is not smaller than you, uh, and but yet you two do some very incredible things for right. two guys who I I would consider someone in the host division. Yeah. Um, and also uh, scientifically put, you two boys beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Real bad. <laughs> yeah. And so walk us through kind of that structure of that kind of feud between the two of you. Um. And I guess I guess how working because like you said you've had to get very comfortable with working with guys much smaller than you and you've mm-hmm. sort of structured yourself around that. What happens when you have basically a best of three against someone who is as big and strong as you are? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Cooper is one of those uh, one of those more modern heavyweights who who uh, wrestles like he's much smaller than he is. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mean that, and by no means it's, is that a bad thing. Um, you know, he just he would not be your traditional hoss wrestler. Um, and so, when it came to you know move sets, it honestly was not that much different than when I wrestled uh, smaller people. <laughs> um, you know, the moves that he he was doing, um, you know, just the impact behind them was the was the uh, biggest difference. Um, but no, honestly, uh, putting together, uh, you know, that series of three with Cooper was was not that difficult um, because we have, you know, my philosophy on on wrestling is uh, um, it all makes sense. We're wearing costumes and pretending to fight each other. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that should be on a plaque somewhere. Right. On <laughs> so it all makes sense. Um, and uh, so it was always kind of like, all right, man, what, what do we want to do? Let's do it. And uh, uh, what, what am I going to, you know, I'm going to stick to my stick to my guns, stick to what I know how to do. He's going to stick to his guns, what he knows how to do. Uh, and we're just going to throw everything we have at each other. Um, and it just kind of turned out the way it turned out. There was really, putting those together, really, really no pressure in any of those matches that I've ever had with Cooper. I was going to say, and from what I've heard from Cooper, he's had nothing but high marks to give to you as well. So that's great to hear that you're both so comfortable building something like that, which kind of became its own kaiju fight, right. you know, in, in some of those matchups. Um, yeah. So, well, and kind of speaking of, interestingly, teaming up and speaking of kaiju, uh, you are currently teaming with Victor Ventus actually this Wednesday. That's right, the debut. Uh, and uh, starting a tag team called the Titans. Yes. Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about kind of what, what's putting that team together. We're kind of coming first full circle back into tag team wrestling. Again. True. 
Yeah, so um, it's kind of, uh, well, I have, if I have, you know, I had a series of three with Cooper. I've wrestled Victor like eight times. Oh. So, uh, we have had a lot of matches. Um, let's see, so it's for sure. Yeah, we've done four. We've done at least, at least six that I can think for sure. Seven. Seven that I for sure could right off the top of my head that we wrestled each other. So it's kind of one of those, uh, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> Fair. Uh, kind of ideas. Um, and he and I also have very similar uh, philosophy when it comes to to wrestling, how we like to wrestle. Um, not, even, not necessarily against each other, just how we like to wrestle other people. Um, and, uh, you know, wrestle to win. That's kind of uh, how we approach every match. Um, and so we, we travel together a lot and stuff like that, and we're just like, hey, man, why don't uh, why don't we try teaming up, see how that works. Now, Vences is younger, right? Are we in his rookie year, or is this year two for him? Ooh, you know... Um, for all intents and purposes, let's say rookie year. Right. Exactly. It's either the end of his rookie year or the beginning of his second year. Okay, so let's just say rookie year, and obviously you've been in this thing for for quite a bit longer. Um, this time around, being in a tag team, do you see you you get to basically you're like the the Obi Wan here. You get to kind of you've seen what benefit a tag team can be. So, are you looking to maybe bestow some of that knowledge onto Victor in in terms of this team up? Oh, yeah, I would say a little bit, you know. Um, definitely being a part of a team helped me when I broke in. Um, and uh, uh, we didn't, when we broke in, we didn't have a ton of people helping us, helping us, not to say people didn't help us out, you know, when I broke in uh, with the Lacey Twins. Um, but we had to go and meet promoters and, and on our own, like figure out who to talk to, where to go, mm-hmm. how to get there. You know, we didn't have any connections at all when we came out uh, onto the scene. Um, and so, uh, Victor was actually also trained by Dory Funk. Okay. Um, after me. So, we were never there at the same time. Um, but, uh, so, so I knew he was there. Uh, and then when he left, he started, he, he made some appearances at some of the Ocala shows. And, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of extend all brains to him, help him out, like, you know, say, hey, can I hop in my car, travel with me, kind of like what I didn't have when I first broke in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I'm going to help him out. And then, uh, you know, he found his footing doing singles stuff and things like that. And then it was actually, I think he suggested teaming together um, at ACW because uh, I didn't have a lot of lot going on there singles-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd have matches here and there, but, you know, I wasn't involved in any uh, any uh, programs or anything. Um, and he was like, you know, for something to do, he's like, would you want to you want to tag together? Um, we kind of saw a gap in the tag division mm-hmm. uh, in ACW. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, you know, let's, uh, let's give it a shot. And then if it takes off, like, you know, we can take it all over the place. So um, a little bit to kind of help him out. Um but then also, I mean, it helps me too. Like it's not—it's uh, not like I'm 
oh, you know, let me help this young kid and get nothing out of it. You know? right. This isn't just like a charity case is what you're saying? Yeah, right. yeah no, it's definitely it's definitely going to be something good for both of us. Um, it's going to get him, I think, experience uh, wrestling in, in a tag. He, he broke in kind of with a tag. He tagged for like a couple <coughs> with a guy, but yeah. that ended quickly. Um, so it'll give him some uh, some more experience in different styles of matches. Um, it'll give us both, uh, you know, more depth in what we can offer a promoter when we're, uh, you know, making contacts and reaching out to new shows. Um, you know, it helps us on travel expenses to travel, <laughs> to travel with somebody, you know, stuff like that. So, so it's definitely, um, going to be, going to be a positive for, for, for both of us. That's good. Well, and also I think it's a situation where, you know, like you said, you have the insight being in it as long as you have of, yeah, I think you've got the right philosophy of like, yeah, I can be in a tag team for a little while. I can kind of, you know, hop in and out as I please. It's not like, oh, well, now the WrestleMania dream's gone because you're teaming with Victor. Yeah. You know, this yeah. will, I think this will benefit the both of you. And, um, you know, it's certainly something that I, I agree. I think that there's a hole in the tag team division. And obviously you've got... Uh, Christian Override uh, at ACW, who is already championing the, the two of you. I know you guys were discussing music uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks back. So, like yeah, you said, you, there, there's a little bit more of a. Um, I, I think there's a little bit more of a connective net here of people looking to be on board with this and make and really sell this. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I would agree. Um, and it, uh, you know, and and I think it helps too. We were both. Um, even though you know he's he's new, he's he's now he's been around enough to establish himself as a singles guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've you know been around enough that I am established as a singles guy. Um, and so I don't think tagging would in any way diminish what we have done as singles competitors. I agree with that. Um, so I uh, yeah, to me, there's no like oh the dream is gone. You know, none none of none of that. I don't have any sort of feelings in, in that way at all. It's, uh, it's just kind of like, hey, here's a new option, a new avenue for both of us. Let's see where it goes. Interesting. Okay. So, I, and one other person I want to, I want one last wrestling question. Uh, I, I want. This has been an unusually focused episode. It has. Um, uh, but uh, one person that you worked uh, a lot with for a while was. Uh, one Rex Bacchus, uh, who yes. obviously um, passed away recently, but was uh, quite the influence in the Florida area. Uh, and if you don't know Rex, go look all of his stuff up online. Yeah. He was uh, quite an amazing individual. Tell us a little bit about what it was like working with Rex Bacchus. Um, always fun. <laughs> always. Uh, he, uh, he was one of those guys, he, he wanted to do really well at wrestling, but he never took himself too seriously. Um, so always having a good time. We broke in having just, I don't, I don't know, countless numbers of matches against the Dreamboats. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rex and Rex and Ace. Um, and uh, so we broke, I kind of broke in wrestling Rex. Um, and I, I remember we, we were in a tag match and uh, he just, completely like, like botched his own move <laughs> like just his own it was like his finisher <laughs> and uh and we walked to the back and it was on my it was on uh Grayson my my brother my partner and uh 
<laughs> we walk to the back, and first thing he says, we get to the back. He's like, "Hey, man, guys, I." He's like, uh, "He's like, yeah, that was totally on me." He's like, "I uh, apparently am not good enough to even do my own move." So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it it cracked us up, man. But um, no, he was always always good to work with, man. He made it fun. Um, I again was. Uh, after after uh, the Dreamboats kind of stopped, I didn't work with Rex for a really long time. Um, and then uh, until I started doing some stuff with the Clover Clan mm-hmm. um, is when I got to start working with him again and uh, traveled <coughs> a bit. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun. fun. Um, yeah, just a real, real fun guy, real, just good guy, um, really creative. Uh, so just yeah, just a I mean, best one, but just a pleasure, to, pleasure to work with, pleasure to be around uh, in the wrestling world, absolutely. And and like you said, I think the lesson to take away is you know to work hard and and be focused on wrestling, but not take yourself too serious. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He's still, you know, you never lose sight of the fact that we're supposed to have fun doing it. Right. You know, um, hold yourself, hold yourself to a standard, a standard of excellence, but also um, realize when stuff is. Hilarious and ridiculous. Now, I was going to say, speaking of having fun, in addition to uh, being a kaiju of, of many talents, including uh, training and teaching, among other mm-hmm. things, uh, you are also in a band. Yes. Um, because you just love being on the road that damn much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why well, be home? I love never being at my house. Right. So tell us a little bit about your band. What is the name? When did you guys start? What's the origin story here? <clears throat> okay. So um, the the name is Eroding the Past. Excellent. Um, they've actually been a band for like seven years. Uh, they've existed for a long time. Um, just issues... With uh, with lineups, you know, members, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to going to college and stuff like that, not being able to commit to the band, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so they had actually been kind of on a hiatus for the past three years. They hadn't performed any shows or anything like that. Um, and uh, it's actually I got in contact with this band, discovered this band through wrestling. Okay. So uh, I. The, our vocalist and the, ba- and the bass player actually came to one of the first Ocala shows that I wrestled on in the independent on the independent scene, um, and saw me there. And uh, they're big wrestling fans, you know, their whole lives. So they they started coming out to all the Ocala shows whenever they could. And um, then when I won the OCW heavyweight belt. Um, the vocalist was there with his daughter, and I actually took a picture with her. Um, you know, after the sh- after the show with my belt and everything, he posted it on Facebook, and he was we had a mutual friend or something. So I, I happened to see this picture on Facebook. So just sent him a friend request or whatever. Didn't think anything of it. No contact. We didn't talk or anything like that. You know, we're just friends on Facebook now. Um, and then a couple, I don't know, months after that, he posted that his band was looking for a rhythm guitarist. And, uh, I had just started getting back into playing guitar. Um, I had, you know, I was in like some terrible garage bands in high school and college and stuff like that. Um, but hadn't played regularly in a while. I was just getting back into playing it cause I was trying to decide if I was going to sell all my stuff or not. Fair enough. I think we've all been at that uh, crossroads time or two with some of our hobbies. Yeah. And, uh, 
So I, I got back into playing. I was having a lot of fun playing. I was practicing like three hours a night. After I'd come home from work, I'd just sit down and just play until I went to bed. Um, and so I saw him post about needing a rhythm guitarist, and I was like, well, you know, I don't know anybody in the music scene at all, so this seems like my shot to to maybe get a part of a band again. Um, so that way I'm not just playing at my house. I actually have a purpose. And uh, so I hit him up and told him I'd be interested, and he sent me some videos on how to play one of their songs. I learned it, uh, went and jammed with him, and uh, then he invited me to like the full band practice where the whole rest of the band was going to be the next day. So I went to that practice, and we jammed that whole song together and stuff like that, and then they were like, hey man, will you, you want to be in the band? You're in if you want it. And that was it. I was in, so... So now I have to ask, because uh, we've had discussions with various people in, like, theater and things like that about the comparisons of wrestling and, and their craft. So I have to ask you, um, would you say more similarities or more differences between the world of professional wrestling and the world of being in a band? Uh, I would say more similarities. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, I guess, well... More similarities when you look at uh, the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to like actually being on stage, no, it's it's quite a bit different than like being in the ring. Um, in that, you know, I'm, uh, you know, practicing or playing something that has been rehearsed thousands of times, uh, the exact same way. No real. Um, ad-libs or changes on the fly, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Um, obviously, something goes wrong, you know, you got to make a, a correction on the fly, but uh, it's very much a well-oiled machine. You get, you, we get on stage and we deliver a performance that has been um, very, very rehearsed, um, more so than, uh, than wrestling sometimes. Um, but from the business side, oh, almost, almost exactly the same. <laughs> what do you mean the promoter left with all the money? Right. Um, and the, exactly, exactly. And the good news is he has no concerns when he's up on stage uh, with his band uh, of being hit with a weapon from behind. True. So that's, that's a good yeah. thing on that one. Now, um, I was going to say, I feel like the listeners at home have to be ready to get their drinks ready because you've got a question on here <laughs> that I'm going to defy the laws of comedy for and say right. you may have to explain what this joke is. I know what it is. But I'm also old, and you are old, <laughs> I'm and older, Gabe is a right. giant baby, so right. I don't know if he's so, going to necessarily know this. If he's going to even know what this reference is. So, so let's, we'll, we'll try it with two takes. We'll okay. do, we'll do a, a clean take of you just asking the question, so, see if it hits. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll explain, and we'll do it. take it again. Take it again. So uh, the question that I have written down here that he has led up to uh, is, because you are a musician, have you ever thought about playing yourself uh, out to the ring a la Man Mountain Rock? Yeah, no, I, uh... <laughs> so... That was the best reaction. So you see... Over, that, that's over, over my head. Okay, so, excellent. So, so, you, so you see, boys and girls, right. back in the day, in the all the way 90s. back in the early 90s, there was a wrestler uh, who originally was uh, Max Payne yes. in WCW. He became most famous for tag-teaming with Cactus Jack. Jack correct. Uh, and was like a rock and roll, definitely a rock and roll type of metal gimmick. Uh, and I think the biggest thing they ever did was they had a match with the Nasty Boys, 
where they all beat the crap out of each other. Right. Well, he ended up getting signed by World Wrestling Federation at the time, so the WWF. Uh, and, of course, WWF changes everybody's names, especially them. And, uh, and they made him... For whatever reason, in the early 90s, everyone's gimmick was based around a hobby or I, a job. I have a hobby or a job, right. And uh, and his job was, uh, I played guitar in a band, and they changed his name to Man Mountain Rock. And he actually had a guitar that was shaped like the old WWF... The logo. Like square, the, the, the square Block logo. lettery logo. Right, yes. the old 80s logo. And he would play himself to the ring. Um, playing his own music uh, instead of having it pre-recorded playing. Then again, it was probably really still pre-recorded. Of course it was pre- yeah, there's no way. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so there it is. So that being said, now right. that the context is in. So to save myself a little bit of face here, okay? That's oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me pause you real quick. No, the, safe, the face saving is all on me here. Right. Because I'm old <laughs> as hell, and I wrote that question thinking it would get a reaction. And there oh, we people, got a reaction on this right, guy right here. And there are people at home right now who are laughing their heads off. Yeah, there's two demographics. Me, right, yeah, there's, because there's, they're like, Jesus, you're old. Right. Or, or the people that actually get it, and it's like, Jesus, there, we're all old. Yeah, say, yeah, there's two demographics. There's one that immediately got it and went, oof, that was, yikes, what, yeah. a, what a deep cut. And right. there's another demographic who are currently Wikipediaing Man Mountain Rock and went, Jesus, it really was a thing. And by the way, because we haven't done this tagline in quite a while, for those of you playing the IndyCast drinking game at home... Please take a drink for me making a very old-time wrestling reference, and it really makes me sad that old-time uh, wrestling reference is, early is the 90s. early 90s. Yeah. But. <laughs> All right, so that being said, now, Gabe, you have the floor. Yeah, um, I, uh, I was like 97% sure that that was the case. Like, that's what you meant. Right. Good. Uh, but I wasn't totally sure, and so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to guess and look like an idiot. That's our job. That's right. Uh, it's my job to come up with that question and look right. like an idiot for me as yeah. the host. No, that's so, amazing. So, Although I would say uh, Gabe has better hair than Man Mountain Rock. That's he was supposed true. to be like a headbanger, but he just kind of looked like a greasy... It was very stringy. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't very... Not great. was not fabulous, like like Circa Metallica hair as or anything a, like as that. As I said on uh, commentary at, uh, I think it was The Proving Ground, uh, Gabe Lacey has gotten hairier and scarier, so um, <laughs> it's good. First off, why is that not on a shirt? Could be, could be. Who knows? That was also right up there with uh, what was the other shirt I wanted to do earlier? What was it? Uh, like Bang Bang Club Club or whatever. Yeah, you said that's, that's, that's definitely that's definitely <laughs> another uh, Gabezilla shirt in the making there. <laughs> smash Smash Club Club. club. That's throw throw. throw. Yes. There's stuff. Uh, so, it's now time for the famous final three questions. Final three. We've officially just decided yeah. to make it three. Cause well, we... we've been doing it for six years now. We might as well right. change it up. So, um, so as I say, you can start here. Sure. Question one, the Trevin Adams Memorial question, question, even though Trevin is not dead. By the way, hi, Trev. Uh, apparently, you bumped into him yes. at Halloween Horror Nights, interestingly yes. enough. Uh, but... Uh, Obviously, you're out, you're doing the drives, it's late at night, you have a rumbling. You're either either doing the drives for a wrestling show or for a band gig. For a band gig, exactly. Uh, And you have a rumbly and you're tumbly. Uh, You pull over a hill, there's a shining food beacon in front of you that you are getting ready to pull in at 2 o'clock in the morning and get your nosh on. Uh, Is that shining beacon a sheet, or is that shining beacon a wah-wah? That would have to be a wah-wah. Now, follow-up question. Right. Since you you know you have been a Florida kaiju for quite some time, have you actually gotten to dine at a Sheets yet? I have not. Okay, okay. neither have I, so that's so. okay. <clears throat> now, question: When you're at a Wawa, what do you order? You know, I actually um, try to mix it up pretty frequently. Nice. 
Um, it's actually something I started in the past few years when I go to restaurants to try to get something new every time. Because I realized I was getting the same thing every time I went somewhere. I wanted, uh, you know, I was like, what if I'm missing out on something that's super awesome? Well, if I could do a quick Wawa plug here, a new thing that's just come on the menu this year is the Gobbler, which is the Thanksgiving either sandwich or bowl. But now, instead of mashed potatoes and stuffing, you can swap out for stuffing and sweet potatoes. Oh. That is new for this year. Delish. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally talked my friend into a Gobbler while we were driving to... Halloween Horror Nights. Like, nice. he had to pull over to a Wawa right then and there and get one. I was like, where's my commission check? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, second of our famous final three questions. Uh, unfortunately, in the magnificent performance art that we call professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. So that being said, Gabe Zilla, which wrestling ghost would you want to work with? Which wrestling ghost? Yes. I was going to say, that's, we typically don't hear the, uh, <laughs> when we talk about this question, it's usually, oh, I'd love to just study and pick their brain, not, no, I'd put them over huge. I'd, yeah. I'd make them look like a million bucks. No, you know, I, because um, again, it was one of, you know, because I came to wrestling so late, you mm -hmm. know, he was already gone. Right. You know, by the time I, wrestling was even something that I looked at um, with any sort of seriousness whatsoever. Um and, uh, no, it would just be, I mean, but everybody knows who Andre the Giant is. True. He you is, know, like, I would say, getting close <clears throat> to pop culture, iconish kind of stuff. Oh, I, I would say he definitely is, if, if for yeah, nothing more yeah. than just between his wrestling career and Princess Bride. True. Between yeah. the two, I think he definitely fits that mold. Yeah, I mean, because I, first <coughs> time he was aware of who he was, was from the Princess Bride. Yeah, there you go. You know, and so, um, yeah, so I think that would just be, uh. That would just be cool. If he was still around, I'd be like, yeah, man, I'll put over, I'll put over Andre. I'll hope, I'll hope the kid out. <laughs> I'll hope the kid out. I'll make him look good. All right, so final, final famous question here. Uh, Gabe, we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature is given certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. For instance, giraffes have long necks, rhinos have the big horns, etc., etc. Our belief is that human beings, as an animal in nature, have the evolutionary trait to use tools. So with that being said, Gabezilla, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? Okay, well, uh, if I could fight any animal, um, I would fight... Does it have to be a real animal? No. Excellent question, and the answer is no. No, so it can be, it can be a... Fictional animal. Okay. Yes. Well, I would fight. I would fight a dragon. Okay. And, and I would use like a giant, like like comically huge sword. Excellent. Excellent. Like, like I love it with the words "comically" used. Huge. Word. Yes. Yeah, like one that you would look at it and you're just like, yeah, that that doesn't exist. No one could swing that thing. What? Yeah, that's what I do. 
Well, I thought to myself, wow, Gabezilla fighting a dragon. What an awesome, like, storybook. And then I realized the title, Gabezilla and his comically large sword, parentheses, nobody could swing that thing. You're going to have to walk behind a couple of curtains if you're going to pick up that book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. But I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, fan, high fantasy and stuff like that. Very so. Excellent. So, well, Gabe, this is the uh, part in the episode that one Mr. Brian Cage has given us permission to call, get your shit in. Uh, it's the opportunity for you to tell people where they can find your social media, your merchandise. Uh, that where might, they can listen to your band. They, where they can listen to your band. Uh, and, yeah, get your get your uh, lovely shirts that my wife has been wearing the last couple days. Excellent. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay, yes. Well, um, <laughs> on uh, Instagram, I am Gabezilla91. Um, I do a lot. I mean, I'm always on there, uh, answer all my, all my messages and stuff like that. Um, my Twitter, you know, I don't even know these things. I'm like literally pulling it up right now. (laughs) (laughs) My Twitter is, uh, at Gabriel Lacey 91. Um, so I don't, I don't use that nearly, nearly as much as I use, um, I use my Instagram, but I use that. Uh, Facebook, I've got a wrestler page. If you just look for Gabezilla, I should pop up pretty quick. Um, and then, uh, as far as, you know, merch or anything like that, um, just send me a message and, uh, or catch me at a show. We can make that happen. And currently my band, um, if you go on Bandcamp. Excellent. And look up Eroding the Past, they have an EP on there. Um, but that is with... Uh, a very old lineup that is that is a very old set of recordings um we are currently in the process of re-recording that ep plus some new material a deluxe Um, edition if you will that's right so we are we are re-recording we actually um should have one of those tracks released here within the next few weeks beautiful um for everybody to listen to uh, with with the new lineup and uh, and everything like that, so um, I'm I'm pretty stoked for that. But that that's yeah. So if you want to if you want to get an idea of kind of kind of what we sound like, I guess you can look on Bandcamp, eroding the past. Um, but if you wait just a couple weeks, there'll be some some fresh recordings heading out there into the the internet world. Excellent, excellent. Yep. And as Chad alluded earlier, uh, this coming week. Uh, at ACW Proving Ground, we'll see the debut of the tag team of Gabe Zilla and Victor Vences. A.K.A. the Titans. And, in addition to that, the uh, final Punk Pro Show of 2019, Wipe Me Up When September Ends, which mm-hmm. had an unbelievable fight of Gabe Zilla versus Ty Hill. Yeah, it did. Just dropped on Pivot Share, and so there's going to be a little hype video for that. Excuse me, dropping uh, soon as well. Uh, make sure you're keeping your eyeballs on Gabezilla on various social medias because he is wrestling all over the state and I imagine probably will be taking over most of the South, if not most of the country, soon. Um, Gabe, thank you so much for coming on the show. For everybody here, for Chad Allen, I'm Zach Romero. And as we always say, deuces! Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. 
Greetings, everybody. Chad Allen here from the IndieCast. Uh, well, I guess, obviously, they're listening to the show. Uh, here to talk to you about Phil Singer Games. Uh, I know you've probably heard us talk about it uh, before if you're a listener of the episode, but if you're not, Phil Singer Games for over 30 years has been the top wrestling card and dice role-playing style game that's on the market right now. An absolute blast to play uh, if you play the Champions of the Galaxy version, where you can pretend to be one of the many stars from the future and battle them out, to legends of uh, today from here on Earth with guys like Andre the Giant and the Road Warriors, or to the most recent independent up-and-comers. You can play any single one of them, or you can even play them against each other. It gives you the chance to have those dream matches you never thought you wanted to see until right this moment. And you can find out all about it on philsingergames.com. There are hundreds of wrestlers to choose from. Tell them the IndyCast sent you. Go to philsingergames.com. Oh, God, just shove it in my face. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a whole decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners good. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Mom, save vagina.